0: Hey everyone, welcome back to BU. So here we are two weeks in a row with interviews, which is not typical for BU podcast, but I was really, really excited to get Adrian and Ellison in front of you. So I had the honor of going to Austin, Texas for a podcast tour. And Adrian Ellison was one of the people who agreed to be interviewed and have a chat with me for BU Podcast. And you're going to love this conversation. So Adrienne has such a cool story. She gets really raw and vulnerable in this episode. She has cured herself of everything from nail biting to anxiety and depression. She's helped hundreds of other people do the same through holistic psychology, alternative medicine, subtle energy, and learning how that energy impacts our reality. She is someone who leads a beautiful, beautiful community. And in fact, as I'm recording this introduction right now, she just announced an awesome membership opportunity, which is super, super affordable. So pay attention at the end of the episode. We talk about how to find her, but I'll just tell you right now that if you go to Instagram, you can find her just by looking up Adrienne Ellison, A D R I A N E L L I S O N. And she has a link right there in her bio, but this is such a beautiful conversation. I so appreciate Adrienne. I loved talking to her. And And as you know, if you're a listener of BU Podcast, you know that I'm really selective about who I invite on the show. If you're a new listener, you don't realize that. We have about 75 to 80% solo episodes and I am pitched every day. I mean, I I can't even tell you how many emails I get every week, people asking or someone representing someone asking to be on this show. And I'm so, so selective. And it was an immediate yes When I heard about Adrienne, she did not ask to be on BU, by the way, but I heard about her through a trusted source, and I checked her out and was really excited to introduce her to you. I reached out on Instagram. We had an immediate connection, but when I actually sat down with her in person in Austin, which is what you're about to hear, it was magical. We had such a beautiful connection together. And I ended up inviting her to my red tent ceremony, which was such a sacred space, something that was so special to me for my 50th birthday. And just based on that brief interaction with her in person, I really wanted her there. And I was so honored that she showed up. And so now I consider her a friend. So I invite you to really center yourself. Take a few deep breaths. Open your heart. Open your mind and listen to Adrienne Ellison talk about how to find the medicine that you need to become your truest self.
1: There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free.
0: Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman, and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multimillion-dollar business. Ten years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. So... Uh, you heard my introduction for Adrienne, and I just i am sitting here in person in Austin with her, and I'm so grateful that she said yes, and uh, this is the first time we're meeting in person, and um, so I, before you introduce yourself, Adrienne, I just want to say that when I found you on Instagram, and I, I really can't even remember how it was, you know how Instagram is, I stumbled across you somehow, and I always just go by how I feel. So I didn't digest all of your content and I mean I looked at a few things and I saw a few stories of yours and I was like, oh, I really like her. She's someone I want to have on my show and have in front of this growing audience. So we have listeners in almost a hundred countries. And the people who listen to this podcast are anywhere on their journey of learning, but but committed to being themselves without apology whatsoever even if it's like scares the crap out of them, you know, but learning how to do that. And I know that that you are so much younger than me, but you're already doing that. And so I would love for you to share with everybody what I know about you, which is not just the inner work you've done to heal. You know, we talk a lot on our show about trauma and healing past wounds, but you have had physical healing. You have had transformation that it's going to surprise people when they hear. And it's so powerful. And then you've generously taken that and now you're sharing that with others and teaching others how to do the same thing. So welcome to be you.
1: And I'm um, so glad let, to be here. Yeah.
0: So share a little bit about yourself and this beautiful journey.
1: Yeah. The thing that stuck out is this this idea that, you know, I've healed and that's why I'm able to help other people. And I do want to. Just relay the message that I am still so deep in my healing journey. And I have had profound physical, emotional, and energetic transformations throughout my journey, which has really put me into my calling to serve in that space for others. But I'm just nowhere near being in that end. And that's part of what excites me so much about life and also why it's so important to step into that radical self expression of who you are. Because that's the unfolding and the expression and how the energy moves from us so that we can really see ourselves outside of ourselves, which is we live in a mirroring universe. So I learn more about myself as I look at you, as I engage with you, as I learn about you, as I judge you, all of those things. Those are messages about me. So yeah, I started my healing journey really, I would say kind of started right around the time my dad died, where a lot of the questions of very penetrating questions of like, what happens after death? And, you know, what does this mean? And like, a lot of things I couldn't cope with because I'd been so avoidant of getting out of religion and not really picking anything else that kind of was my guiding light. Trying to create a moral compass on my own that wasn't rooted in the church, but also, you know, it's just so hard to find that because a lot of that we get, that ideology we get from school, from education, from our parents, from mm-hmm. church, from the system, right? And so I was just kind of lost along along the journey of that. Took a couple years where I was in deep depression, binge eating, doing all of the very destructive self-sabotaging things to try to numb and cope with all the energy that I was feeling that I had absolutely no language for mm-hmm. and no idea what direction to take with it. I refer to that as lost in the sauce where it's like whatever you can do, that next step to just support yourself is the only answer. And people can give you all the advice in the world, but when you are lost in it, sometimes it's just like getting out of bed and that next bath, and then you're able to start accepting and receiving support. So in my journey between 2015 when my dad died and 2019, I was living in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was in the fitness industry, which did not make my heart sing. (laughs) What were you doing in the fitness industry? I was running nutrition Mm -hmm. clients. And uh, predominantly Mormon, LDS, Latter-day Saint clients. So I was also going through my spiritual awakening, as a lot of people would call it, or just like my conscious awareness awakening. And, and um, excuse
0: me, were you a Mormon too?
1: No, I was not. No. I was raised German Catholic and then kind of let go of religion around the age of 15 mm-hmm. and didn't really pick up the concept of God or something greater than myself, totality, all of those things up until 2019 when I was sitting in a relationship that was very dysfunctional, very codependent, sexless, and I loved the person that I was with, but I was not being nurtured. I was so starving for connection that the way that I would cope with that was through binge eating, through cannabis use, through a lot of different, very destructive patterns. And I was really in the season of just blame, blaming everybody else for all of the discomfort that I was experiencing in my life. And... I had this moment uh, way before psychedelics, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit about how I've used and abused that as well to find my way to where I'm where I'm at now in that in that grounded place of understanding that everything is medicine or it's poison depending on the dosage. But I had this moment in 2018 where we hired an assistant who was a spitting image of me, and it was the first time that I got to experience the mirror of myself mm. in a way that was very confronting. <laughs> it was. It was medicine for me, for sure. She, the way that she handled people and the way that people felt and experienced her, um, and I, the way that they would withdraw from her and not feel safe to be around her, I started recognizing like, Oof, is this the way that people experience me? And luckily, at that time, my partner was able to, as graciously as he could, express to me, "You are not who you think you are. You're not who you tell people you are. This idea and this identity that you've created to make yourself feel good about." all of the ways in which you show up, it's just a story. And he was really big into Tony Robbins, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I was listening to some Tony Robbins stuff. I was listening to a lot of different podcasts and whatnot. And a lot of them just didn't resonate with me. They were very rooted in like, get up, hustle, do the fucking work, you know, Grant Cardone. and (laughs) Affirmations. Yeah, yeah. Some of these like really, really great uh, motivational speakers and people who that has really worked for them. And for me, my journey was much more about diving into feminine embodiment, which I had no idea about at that time. So I had this mirror, very difficult for me to really experience, and started listening to podcasts to try to understand like maybe how I could do some work on myself or how I could get out of these very aggressive and kind of bulldozing patterns. I had a pattern at the time I didn't know about where I really couldn't hear the word no. So it was very controlling and very manipulative, and it was like my way or the highway. And I got into podcasting, and I came across an Aubrey Marcus podcast about psychedelics. And it lit me up. It lit me up in all the places that I had never been lit up before. And it, it really pinged that curiosity in me of like the way he was describing his ayahuasca journey and these different medicine experiences he was, he was having. I was craving experiences like that. And I was willing to pretty much go to whatever deep end that I needed to go to get out of my depression and the stagnation and the numbness that I felt within myself, my relationships.
0: Isn't it interesting that you were craving that, but everything you were doing was taking you in the opposite direction?
1: Yeah. And that's the kind of what happens is we, everyone is like, I want connection. I want connection. And then you look at your patterns and everything about the shadow frequency is actually about disconnecting because it doesn't believe in harmony or love or truth Mm -hmm. or unity. And so with that, So much of my work has been being able to identify those shadow frequencies within myself, which I do a lot by seeing others, experiencing others, things that trigger me. Mm -hmm. Like like the assistant, right, that came Mm -hmm. out. It was like,
0: oh. So when she came along, my question is this. When you said that she was your mirror and your partner lovingly said, you're not who you think you are. Okay, before that. Yeah. What was it like when you would see her? I mean, were you irritated by her, confronted by her, and you thought you were nothing like her? Did you see yourself in her right away? Mm. I would that's say pretty powerful. If you I did. did
1: and I liked her because of that. I saw characteristics of myself. I had this idea that like nobody could do it like me. So right when I met yeah. her, I felt this like we were in business together, my partner and I. So I felt this like a little bit of relief of like, oh, maybe somebody could actually come in and like do the shit that needs to get done the way I get it done. But very soon in that, I started to see the similarities of she was getting certain things done, but at the expense of other people's emotional well-being and, you know, different aspects of what was happening and and since then we we her and I've reconnected and and we have a great relationship uh, as far as like neutral but yeah before that it was a lot of me seeing how people would recoil from her her responses to people how sharp she was how uh you know righteous she was in her ideas and how ungrounded that was probably the biggest factor for me which I would not come to really understand until a year and a half ago how ungrounded I was in my journey
0: and so when you when you observed her how was it that you you recognized something in yourself?
1: I don't think I had the awareness back then to really understand that I was seeing the parts of my own shadow frequencies that were continuously transmitting. But what I experienced from her ungroundedness and, you know, these things I was perceiving as is like it is not safe for me to just say like how I make what I need or what I feel because there was always going to be something sharp on the back end and so it was like I was always guarded around that person and in that my body would start to contract and this is a huge thing of what I teach within my mastermind and all my clients is the body is the attunement fork for the way that energy is being interpreted in your field whether that energy is being interpreted through the lens of trauma or not if the body is contracting you can guarantee that that's going to over time start to create dysfunction and pain And if you're in situations where you don't have any idea how to stop contracting, that's why the environment is so important. Because the environment plays such a big role in how those stories that are living within our cells start to ping, 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 ping. Like, this is not safe. This is something I've experienced before. Here's the story of what's going to happen. And whatever that familiarity is within that trauma response.
0: All right. So you, I, there's so much I want to say because taking that and then saying, okay, let's talk for two hours just about what you just said. But I know that there are people listening and I know there are people listening who are like, they're still back at, hold on a minute, wait a minute. When other people trigger me, wait, th- those people are mirrors I mean, there's still people that are Source. just learning that. Of course. And so it's amazing to me that you have figured that out so early. Like, I don't think I figured that out until a couple of years ago, like
1: maybe 48 I think it's confusing, too, because let's say that you look at somebody who's doing something like stealing and you're like, oh, my yeah. God, like, that's disgusting. Why would that person do that? And you can't relate to that. And that's not something you would ever do. It's not that that person is showing you who you are. That person is showing you an aspect of consciousness that's doing what it needs to do based on the story it's living in, which is a part of all of us. If you have the same environment and the same circumstances as that person, you really don't know what you would be willing to do. And being able to integrate the shadow frequency that never had to have a voice, never maybe came up in your life because you weren't in those circumstances. That's that part of like looking at ourselves and really truly coming to the place of you have no idea what people are going through and what led them to the place that they are now Mm -hmm. and how they've created stories that continue to be perpetuated by their circumstances that yes, they might be choosing to be in, but they were never offered another choice or they choose to not see another choice. Mm -hmm. So I did figure this out very early on and I have a a really strong personality. So I think what led me to figuring that out early on, um, I was never a passive person. I'm I'm by nature aggressive. So I really got to experience how much I pushed people away and how much people recoiled and withdrew from me. And so with that, in addition to having this assistant that came in that reflect this to me, it also started to match up with the avoidance patterns of the partner that I have in our sexless relationship and how I would see the sharpness that would make me recoil from her was a similar frequency as the sharpness that would make him recoil from me. So the mirror aspect of like being able to see myself over here and then to see how people experience me over here with my partner, I just started to see the layers of how energy is continuously being interpreted and then responding. And ultimately, that's all that our, our cells are really doing is they're listening and they're responding. And so with that, if I get stuck in a pattern of listening, not to what people are saying, but to the same story that's being transmitted from my field over and over again, my cells will continue to respond to that. Same thing with my partner. I'm not responsible for how the assistant showed up, and I'm not responsible for how my partner reacted to my aggressiveness. I'm not responsible for his withdrawing. I'm not responsible that he didn't have boundaries. But within myself, I am responsible for how I am interpreting the energy and the experience that I'm having. And sometimes experience just sucks. Like don't get too wrapped up in, you know, in the righteousness of like, well, this is what I'm experiencing because again, until we're able to really really be able to discern between the intuition that's happening on a very kind of neutral and subtle scale and the trigger that's happening from a trauma response that's very loud the interpretation can always be a little fuzzy. And I feel like that's a lot of our life's work as individuals is to sift through the gunk that is just sitting in our DNA, all the information that's been passed to us from every experience that's ever happened to every other human being passed down through the lines, through evolution, in addition to the experiences that we have in our childhood, you know, in developmental years, that then continue to rewrite stories or perpetuate a story that's already living in us that we don't even know where it comes from Mm -hmm. that's a very real human experience that everybody can relate to we don't always know why some people are terrified of water right some people are terrified of men some people are you know have stories about who's bad based on the color of their skin where does that information come from yes some of it is taught and some of it is just in the cellular dna
0: that was new for me. I did not know that. I knew all about mindset work, and I was one of those people that did all the yeah. Tony Robbins type personal development for years. And of course, it's great, and it makes a difference, and it just can only go so far and so totally. deep, right? And yeah. that what you just said about you know that being in your DNA, it was just a couple of years ago that this spirit healer I work with said that to me, and I, I had to pause and say, wait, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, we're not taught this stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? And a couple good books, too, just to reference, because a lot of times in the spiritual communities, this is talked about, you know, all the time. And so it can look like it's the spiritual, like, you know, mystical thing. But there's a book called It Didn't Start With You, which is very referred out by a lot of people who are in the trauma-informed space. That's a really good book to understand how, through epigenetics, information gets passed down. I've never heard of that book. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. It's the, one of the first books I have my mastermind read so that they can understand, too, yeah. like— the fight that you are in here in your human experience goes so much deeper than what you did experience and then on top of that you have what you did experience and it's a conglomeration of all sorts of energy and all sorts of stories that have been told for generations and generations and when you start to look at those stories you start to meet who you really are in the essence of love and unity and connection and authenticity. When you haven't met that part of yourself, that's why it's so common to feel so out of place and so much rejection and abandonment and confusion and just like, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? Why can't I have this certain thing? And you start to unwind those stories and start taking radical responsibility, not for what came with you and was passed on to you through the trauma that happened to your grandmothers and your grandfathers and so on and so on but how it's showing up for you and how it's continuing and will continue to pass down if you do not get a lot of awareness and the ability to rewrite that story Mm -hmm. and change the narrative for the way that your cells are responding to what they're listening to that's just so much of my work but it didn't start with you as a great one Another well-known book that has more to do with trauma that happens uh, within like our our lifetime, not necessarily what's always passed down, is The Body Keeps the Score. So I'm sure you're yeah, familiar. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, it's on a here. Thick, thick book, but yeah. fantastic. And then if you're looking for something a little bit more in like the Chinese I Ching or something that dates back, that has a little bit more of a spiritual foundation in it, mm-hmm. uh, the Gene Keys is, is fantastic. And it really is a script for rewriting your DNA, mm. and the information that's stored. Some other really great free modalities, because I'm all about those, and I think that before people get into psychedelic use or, or, you know, doing these kind of more extreme ways of looking at this information and this consciousness that exists in the lines and then trying to purge that out, which can be really impactful, is first regulating the nervous system, which is the the central communication archive where all of that information is continuing to be transmitted. EFT, the tapping modality, which as far as I know, is safe and effective for anyone and everyone to use without like a crazy certification or insane training. It's really just allowing yourself to Regulate your nervous system by tapping on the meridians, the subtle energy receptors that are kind of the extension of the nervous system. I'm happy to share with you where some of those resources could be found. There's, there's a lot of free ones on YouTube. You could look up tapping and then oh, breath work. <laughs> Again, it comes down to when the body is contracting, the body is responding to a story that something is not safe, it is not, and there needs to be more separation, contraction, withdrawal. When you're in that space, your body will continue to hold and not receive anything. So energy is always supposed to be in motion. It's always in motion. It gets stuck. And that was exactly what happened to me when I got endometriosis was I was so contracted for so long since my dad died. And longer even before that, you know, but it was like every day I was contracting more and more and more. And I was doing all these things to heal, but some of them were very um, intense for my system, my nervous system never really got the chance to settle. And to speak on that, which feels relevant for this, what we're talking about, I was adopted. And even though I grew up in a family that was really beautiful, and I would say more regulated than most families that I grew up around, the woman that gave me up for adoption, my biological mother, who is a beautiful, beautiful queen, she's wonderful, um, we're good friends, she went through extensive trauma in her lifetime. And even when she was pregnant with me, The physical, emotional trauma was still happening. And so right out of the gate, my little baby nervous system was a replica of hers. Yeah. And so I came in with all of this energy as if I had experienced these things. And so it didn't really matter what my environment was. I came in with stories already. And that's something that's really important to note because not only is our birth story so, so important for looking at what is the blueprint of your nervous system and how does it operate? Mm -hmm. Right the second that you came into this world? And then, what was your mother's nervous system like when you were in utero?
0: Yeah. And for anyone listening, because I, I know, I know some of you are just all about this and so excited. And some of you are open and wanting to learn, but you're also like, wait, what? <laughs> so I just want to tell you that that's science. I mean, that is not just a theory of Adrian. That is absolutely fact that whatever impacts the mother, her nervous system is going to be passed down. To the child, and so it's there's nature versus
1: nurture. That's where the science is. So I had my my nature, which came from my genetic DNA, passed down to me, and then I have nurture where my adopted mother and father raised me in that environment, and I have trauma from both. <laughs> right? I have stories from both.
0: Mm-hmm. So you used a term a couple of times, shadow frequency. Yeah, just just break that down on a basic level. I'd what does to. that mean?
1: Mm-hmm. So the shadow frequency is. The part of our consciousness that is typically pretty underdeveloped um, as far as we, we operate from it when something happens that is traumatic to our system. And when something traumatic happens, by our need to survive evolutionary and, and also just like be, to be cared for and to be have our needs met as children, we will create a story around why that happened or how we could make sure it doesn't happen in the future but ultimately the shadow frequency is rooted in unworthiness it's this deep story that the reason why my mom could not show up for me not this isn't my story i'm just saying if you have this story the reason why my mom was an alcoholic and could not show up for me and couldn't sober up for me is because i was unworthy of that love now most people don't have that awareness just transmitting all day like yep i feel unworthy of love because it's so fucking hard to cope with. Mm-hmm. Who can cope with that? That mm-hmm. is the the deepest darkest big. of mm-hmm. devils that we could ever even process, especially in this like small energetic being of children that they are without intellectual understanding. So the way that we cope with that is by then creating you know stories on top of that well if i do this this makes me worthy of love so now all of a sudden we we've have this narrative of what makes us worthy of love the problem with that is if the shadow frequency of that unworthiness has not been really transmuted and grieved right that grief because the grief comes when we realize that we were not met and we feel the deep sadness of what it feels like to not be held and to not be taken care of but the ability to grieve is the ability to know that it can change if we're willing to let go of those stories and that's where grief happens is where we shed those stories and we we purge and we allow ourselves to really feel how painful and hurtful those experiences were now most people aren't aware of this mm-hmm. We, we we aren't aware of this because the stories are layered so thick. Our personality patterns are so dense. And we're married
0: to them and they become our identity. Yeah, and then
1: we marry other people that don't mirror them back to us or, you know, they do. And we spend so much time in the drama and the, the trauma loops of that that we don't have that time to look at ourselves and really break it down. And also grief is so hard to get to. we got to go through layers of all sorts of other emotions, right? And then the shadow frequency is very, uh, like, shame Judgment. It's these lower frequencies where, again, the story of those frequencies is separation, unworthiness, distrust. And so you can start to notice if you're operating from those places, anytime that I'm in any type of a situation with someone where there's conflict, if there's a part of me that's trying to create more separation, trying to be right or win or make them feel less than. If there's a part of me that's gaslighting them or gaslighting myself, trying to make myself feel stupid or guilty for having the experience that I'm having or make them feel guilty or stupid for having the experience they're having, we're operating from a shadow frequency. And that is going to continue to attract more and more people and opportunities where that frequency lives,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to be a resonant match. Mm-hmm. It's
0: so interesting because we've talked a lot about frequency, but I've never, honestly, ever until today heard anyone call it shadow frequency. I've never heard that term. I've heard of shadow work, yeah. but I've never heard of shadow, and that just makes so much sense to me. Yeah, totally. Right, it's that lower <laughs> frequency mm-hmm. that which is formed from those stories, which are all untrue. Yeah, and
1: it's formed from that deep rooted seed of I am alone, I am unworthy, mm-hmm. I'm rejected. I'm abandoned. Um, I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. I cannot trust. Mm-hmm. And m- most of the world operates from that place. Like we, as a collective, we operate from a shadow frequency, victimhood. Oh, for sure. Blame, shame, all of those. Mm-hmm. That is the work of shadow work. You know, a lot of people get into it because they feel pain and they want to get away from their pain. And I'm going to tell you, there's only one way to get truly not away from your pain. Because you can do that as much as you want to. It's always going to find you because consciousness wants you to heal that. It wants you to be free, true freedom. That's also freedom, unity, liberation, radical self-expression, these things freeing ourselves of the blocks or whatever you want to call them that hold us in that frequency state that doesn't allow us to see truth of unity, of connection, of desire, of love, harmony. So the only way out is through, which can be really powerful when you get into psychedelic work. But again, The nervous system is where embodiment comes from. So you can go on a journey of trying to do all your shadow work and face your fears and crush it and do all these things. And in the process of that, you can fuck up your nervous system so much that you have a lot of intellectual understanding of what's going on. But your body continues to respond to the same old story. That was me, Adrian.
0: Mm -hmm. That was me. Like if you would have seen me before...
1: I had this super successful
0: business. I was speaking to thousands and thousands of people about business success. I was never a certified coach or anything like that, but I had people coming to me. And so I would say, hey, let's get on Zoom for 30 days and I'll, you know, and I could recite everything about mindset work. And I believed it. It, I wasn't bullshitting anyone. I truly believed it. I understood it intellectually. I did the affirmations and I'm not poo-pooing any of that. And I know you aren't either. There's a place for that. And I really sought some change in myself. And so I Authentically said, You guys, this will change your life. And mm-hmm. I was all about the Tony Robbins type Course. personal development and growth. And yet, I had no understanding whatsoever. None.
1: Yeah. So you had knowledge, but not wisdom. Absolutely. Wisdom comes from integration. I
0: know. And I had been working with this amazing woman I told, referenced earlier, Violet, the spirit healer, for years. So I've been working with her for eight years. And I didn't get, truly get until a year ago that all the work she was doing with me either once a month or however often I would reach out to her was helping. But what she was trying to do, getting into my DNA, into my cells and into my energy, what she was trying to do was so much more difficult because I wasn't doing the other work. But what I love is that she never told me. Yeah, She never said a word. So of course what she did was helping and the mindset stuff was helping. But there was this like middle of the sandwich, mm-hmm. right? That had like, <laughs> Ants and yeah. poop in it. And you know, that I'm I I curious to, to know
1: yeah. was a lot of that work her helping you regulate to like homeostasis and feeling safe in your body and allowing some of the emotions that have been stored and stuck in those lower chakras because all that energy is up, you know, here higher because mm-hmm. it's like intellectual, it's brain space. And was she really holding that space for you to integrate into some of those deeper Probably. versions of yourself?
0: And probably, and it's funny, I didn't think about it until you just said it, that she, cause I know she's done so much powerful work in me, through me, with me, on me. But I didn't realize until you just said it, that she's probably the one I have to thank for preparing my body for when I heard about Steph. And I heard for the first time the term getting in your body. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I had never heard of that before. Yeah. And it's fascinating because think of, I mean, I have done so many personal development courses. I mean, like immersion courses where you're jumping off of telephone poles and you're walking over hot coals and you're, you know, writing your obituary in a cemetery and you're beating pillows for an hour and a half with a room full of people sweating and puking everywhere. I mean, I've done all that. So I thought I was this badass. You know, I thought I had done so much work. I don't want to poo-poo it because it was Great. And yes, I think that she was doing work that I wasn't ready yet to see or hear about or know about yet. Yeah. And maybe she did really help me That's bring him into healer. my frequency. Because
1: how did I come across yeah. him if I wasn't ready? Totally. Just meeting you where you were at too and not trying to mm-hmm. talk at you. But you know, I have so many clients who, yeah, when I'm when I'm sitting with them and I'm feeling into their field, it's like There's a part that they're not ready for yet, and that's totally fine. And if I'm there holding space, I'm there to meet them where they are. You know, I also have boundaries with myself on, like, who I'll work with because, you know, there are certain things that really excite me and where I feel like I'm in my genius. And a lot of that's around language and around embodiment. So being able to work with people who are there and having a good vetting process to know who is ready for that space and then creating resources. I'm trying to create as many resources as I can that one day hopefully will just be free and, like, just so abundant. So that people have access to these modalities like tapping and breath work that there's so much already out there for, but that brings in all of these different philosophies into one place where people can learn the language, but then the choice to do that work, to go into those very shadowy places within ourselves and to confront that story that we've chosen to feed that shadow frequency and to purge in whatever way you know the body needs to purge that memory so that a new narrative can make way and we can really start to live in the frequency states that we'd want to live in you know we say we want harmony well you have to be able to to look at where you create disharmony mm-hmm. okay
0: so share with them about your your physical healing cuz it's so profound it's so beautiful and it's going to challenge some people or trigger them For like sure. oh that can't be true
1: yeah um but i i'm just Yeah, and a disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. I have absolutely no medical experience whatsoever. This is my experience, and I would never tell somebody else to do what I have done. I will just share with you guys what I chose to do in my sovereignty and in my personal authority and what I felt very called to intuitively. This is how I choose to live my life. This is not a suggestion for anyone else. I have been in the work of learning about boundaries deeply for the last year and a half. I teach on them, and as I teach on them, I learn about them even deeper but there are layers to this understanding of boundaries. Boundaries are not about other people and they are not meant to keep other people separate from you. They are meant to keep you close to yourself. And as I was doing this work, I started doing training. I don't know what you would call it. I was starting to take on mentors, mentors in the healing space. And in the process of that, I started to become aware that I had sexual healing that needed to happen and sexual trauma that early on I would never have considered sexual trauma. I felt like I was kind of in consent with it, but I was confused because, like, we don't really have good education. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other, you know, podcast. But I got into these these more energetic Spaces to start healing. And plant medicine was a big part of that. So, you know, learning how to heal the nervous system, learning about boundaries and how to tell people that were projecting on me, like, that's not mine. I don't receive what you're trying to say. And I, you know, or like having a mentor that we had, like, kind of an inappropriate relationship and I was trying to have somebody hold that space for me and, and they weren't able to do that and taking radical responsibility for, well, I called this person into my life. This person's a reflection of me. You know, how can I start to really take that ownership? And one of the things that I was led to in the process of that, uh, one of the first medicines that I, I've had such a profound physical experience with, I did the medicine combo. It's a frog medicine. It's an Amazon frog. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yep. And they burn it onto your skin. It goes through your lymphatic system. It bridges the blood-brain barrier. And it is incredible. (laughs) It's a purgative. It's not psychedelic at all. And it can absolutely be dangerous. So I decided to do a session of three of those within one moon cycle, which I read online was like a really cool way to do a, a physical, emotional, and energetic purge and like really clean out karmic debris. I didn't even really know what karmic debris was, but I was like, fucking <laughs> I love that you're admitting up. that. I love yeah, that no you're admitting idea. that. So many people no don't. They use the language and they <laughs> yeah. don't
0: admit. Okay, I really didn't know what that yeah. meant. And tell me again, where you were as you had endometriosis. I didn't
1: have endometriosis yet.
0: Oh, you didn't? So this was my, this okay. was my
1: first experience where I started to understand just how much... The trans, like the the interpretation and the the energy and the emotions that were stored in my body that I didn't have a lot of safety to move in my nervous system this is where I started to realize all of it was tied together. I go into this experience and my combo facilitator says, "Well, you know, combos are really great cord cutting medicine." Um, and I had already been learning about cord cutting previously with one of my mentors, and I was really into it because I was coming out of a gnarly breakup with some guy and I was super lost in him. I was like, "Fucking sign me up!" And she's like, "You know, it can be really profound to actually cut." T- Ties with people from your ancestral lineage is there anyone you want to cut ties from and honestly I really didn't put a lot of thought into it I was like oh well I know that like my my biological mom and my grandma have been through a lot of trauma so like I'll write their names down So I go into my ceremony, we do this beautiful cord cutting ritual, which just entails writing my name and who I'm cutting ties with, saying this very specific mantra, releasing them from my field and calling my energy back and then severing the rope that they were tied to together, the two names together over the fire. And then I took the medicine and then I threw my face off, like just throwing up, purging, purging, purging. And before that, I had been a crazy anxiety nail biter for 28 years of my life. And I woke up the next day, and I haven't bit my nails since. Oh my gosh. Nobody can see my nails right now. but They're beautiful. They're huge, and they're thick. And they're They're strong. They're so strong. And this is something, I tried everything. You know, my parents used to say, like, put cat poop on your fingers so you won't bite them. And uh, to be honest, I had such an addiction to it that I probably would have just bit them anyway. There was no getting rid of it. So that was the first experience where I was like, what just happened? Like, energy is so much more than what I thought it was. And like, medicine and like, oh, you know, just I, I was yeah, in this, you would have,
0: never connected I would have never connected what you were doing there yeah. to the nail biting.
1: Yeah. And I think that ceremony and I don't know, you know, some of a huge part of the healing process is faith, a lot of faith and trust, because you don't always know what's going on mm-hmm. when you're in the energy field. And anybody who pretends like they do, even shamans, it's like, you, you don't know what you're messing with. Um, we have a very narrow perspective of what goes on within the, the universal experience so for me I was just like dope this is amazing that was kind of like my language back then it was like dope so (laughs) cool like everybody should do combo and then shortly after that I was just learning to do some more rituals doing some more cord cutting and the next thing that started coming up was I started bleeding like so much and losing so much blood and losing large blood clots that looked kind of like organ tissue and it was very scary but i also have a history where several people in my family have been the victims of malpractice and to be honest my dad was misdiagnosed and he we ended up getting him an entire kidney transplant before the doctors realized that they messed up and it was actually not it was not his kidneys it was actually bone cancer that was affecting his kidneys oh, so then so he was sorry. on dialysis and chemo and i've also i've also been misdiagnosed uh, when I was fourteen, and almost died because they didn't think that I had appendicitis. Uh, so I have this—I have a, a fear, a very real fear yeah. of Western medicine, and kind of just people. And and also, I don't like people telling me what my future is going to look like based on what's going on with my body. And as I'm learning about this, you know, I didn't really feel called to go to a doctor at the beginning, but over six months, it started to get really, really bad. Where I, there were days where I lost up to a liter of blood. Oh my and gosh! I got so sick that I actually ended up going to the emergency room one night, which was also very confronting. They didn't have a gynecologist on staff. They nobody had any idea what was going on with me. They wanted to test everything else, but I already knew that it was my womb and my ovaries I already knew that it was that area. I could feel energy coming off of it in heat on my subtle body energy because I've been doing that work. And I dove into things like pulling cards, pulling, you know, oracle cards, and I kept pulling the same card over and over again, which was called the seed, and it was all about going back to my birth. And I was like, "Okay." And then the next card I would pull would be like apocalypse, like I need to come to a death and w- being witnessed in my tears and then gnosis and I kept pulling these cards and you know I was just at home all day I was really in a lot of pain this was just a year ago by the way oh my goodness um, but what I held on to was like knowing that my intuition was so strong that it was like you're going to be able to heal this and this is going to be a radical part of your transformation story that's really going to deepen your trust within within doing this healing work within energetics within your your lineages with ancestral work like things i'm so interested in and so uh right before christmas so the day before christmas eve i didn't tell my parents my family what was really going on because and and i didn't tell my community because i didn't want to be irresponsible and it was like it was my decision and i had questions of like am i going to die am i going to lose so much blood that i'm going to die and i also had this such a strong calling that was like you are going to find your way and one of my friends was in town, and she, she serves 5-MeO-DMT, which is another, uh, it's not a frog medicine, it's a toad medicine, and it's not the same as DMT. It's a very different experience. And she was in town serving it and training some people for how to serve it. And at 9 o'clock at night, I showed up to her house. I'd already done 5-MeO-DMT two other times, and I did the largest dose that I had done up to date. And my prayer was that this whatever this part of me was that was ready to move on and pass on that it was holding on, that there be support in letting that part of myself go and coming into a new awareness and a new understanding and a new gnosis. And I, in that ceremony, it's only a 15 minute long ceremony. It's very, very profound. I call it the clap of God. It literally feels like you're just getting clapped between polarity in such a beautiful way. There's like, it's a whole podcast to talk about what that medicine has done for my life. And in that, I relived my my birth, my adoption and my birth and not not in a very intellectual way. It was a very visceral way, but I remember the feeling of being an infant and I could feel like the fluid that I was in as a fetus and I could feel myself moving in it. My hands were doing like little fetus hands and this overwhelming feeling towards God of like, fuck you. And not, not even having those words, but like, how could you do this to me? Like feeling so abandoned by source. And What I came out of that experience with that was so profound is our experience of the all, the space holder, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. One of our very first interpretations of that is our father. And so for me, it was never safe for me in my childhood to be reactive emotionally because my father had PTSD and it would trigger him. And so I was holding on to this rage towards God because I didn't believe that that version of consciousness could hold space for my anger and my rage. Mm -hmm. And one of the things also that I'll mention before going into that ceremony that I knew was, was it was repressed rage was... When I would be in deep anyone who has endometriosis that's listening to this, you know what the pain is like. It is intense contractions. Some people say it's similar to birth. Mine were very, very intense, like a level eight where I would see black. And the only thing I was taking I was taking painkillers, doing all the things. The only thing that would actually get me through those intense, painful contractions was literally fantasizing about destroying my entire house, like taking a baseball bat and smashing things and ripping things off the wall. And I just wanted to get my hands on something and destroy it. So I knew that there was something that was sitting in my womb space that really needed attention. And that's exactly what I experienced in that 5MEO experience. So being able to let that part of myself die and to go into those shadow frequencies that were s- too painful for me to be able to go into, mm-hmm. nor did I really have any idea how to access them. You know, I've accessed bits and pieces of it through breathwork now that I can look back. but That's thats a big part of the journey is like, you'll have the eagle's eye view when you're looking back, mm-hmm. not when you're in the thick of it, not when you're in the chaos, right? Integration is that part of looking back and being like, oh, I created the chaos so that I could transform it and transcend it. And then it's beautiful. And then people create art, right? <laughs> and then, and, and you then, go like, tell then you go tell everybody <laughs> about it and then like, you know, all of that. So the very next day I woke up and it was Christmas Eve and I relived that buffo experience for about six hours straight. And it really deepened my relationship within the feminine because I would have those same rage fits and I turned my music up loud and I ran a bath and I was in so much pain and discomfort that I couldn't really sit still so I was pacing all over my house and sometimes I'd be in the fetal position but I never stopped letting sound come out of my mouth because I in the buffo experience all that wanted to move was frequency out of my body and like weird sounds like sounds you just don't want anybody to hear you making yeah and some of the sounds are very pathetic and sad and like just devastated and some of the sounds are very primal and aggressive and and like you you know, earthy and it's like, oh God. So I just let my, my mouth and my throat chakra open and I let that energy just channel out. And I went from, what I noticed was I never started screaming or stopped screaming i went from crying and it oscillated straight into screaming into laughing into singing into dancing and there was never a start or stop it was the most fluid i've ever experienced energy coming out of my body
0: you said this was the day after this was the day
1: after and a lot of people experience bufo reactivations which is why it's not a you know medicine i would suggest for somebody using if you're new to psychedelic spaces but yeah it was very profound and um I knew. I knew that day that I had moved what Mm. needed to be moved. And then January came around and no more endometriosis. And I've been clear of it for the last year. Mm. So that was a very profound experience. And this is the first time I've ever talked about it on a podcast. I actually, yeah. I'm honored (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Again, I had to get in far enough away from it to have a better perspective of what really happened, and and to really take radical ownership for my experience and what I needed, and not feel not feel any fear about anybody judging what I chose to do, and also not take responsibility for the decisions other people make for their yeah, health. That's right. Right. That's your sovereignty. And then I've also been a part of a lot mm-hmm. of other really beautiful experiences. I have a women's retreat and experience, and um, a summit that I'm creating called Awaken the Medicine, and this container that I create. Is is specifically to create physical, emotional, and energetic transformations. And I've had women purging abortions and surgeries and hysterectomies and things that have happened to them in such a deep and profound way that one of the other women in the room ended up starting to channel one of those babies. And they was able to have a conversation with the mother. It's. I have a photo of the moment. It's It's like every time I look at it, it's very emotional. It's beautiful. Uh, I helped my my partner heal a 28-year very serious phobia of sharp objects. And um, I also have a spinal injury that happened right after my dad died that I have been healing for the last seven years. And so much of the work that I've done in the last year and a half has really set into perspective. And for the first time in seven years, I'm out of this really painful spinal pattern that I've been in for so long. Mm-hmm. And all of it has to do with subtle energy, interpretations, mm-hmm. listening and responding, listening mm-hmm. and responding. Being aware of when my body is contracting, what causes that contraction and taking radical responsibility for my contraction because it's nobody else's responsibility to rewrite those stories for me, Mm -hmm. nor is it their responsibility to have boundaries where I need to have boundaries in place. And so in that work, it all comes down to really one, one goal. That I believe that we're reaching as a human collective, which is going to be able to up-level us away from the shadow frequency and into a higher frequency state where we can actually receive connection and love and trust and abundance the way that we all want to in our meditations and allow the deepest transformation possible, which is listening to our bodies and allowing the opening rather than the contraction and to stop doing things that contract us and to start Literally light lead your life towards the things that open your heart rather than contracting it. And you can feel it in your body because you can see it in people's postures. Oh, for sure. You can feel the density, the thick density of your body when you're contracted. There's pain. Um, you want to be in the fetal position. It's hard to get out of bed. When you find the things that open you and allow for that, move towards those things. Yeah, move towards them day after day and every day work towards being more open at the end of the day than you were at the start of the day and yes there will be moments where you can you contract you come in contact with someone that really rubs up against something painful inside of you that's a good indicator of where you are not free and in that space whether you're using tapping modality breath work psychedelics shadow work you know all of these different ways to start looking at yourself that is the tuning fork if you want to know if you're headed in the right direction. Or if what you're doing is working, pay attention to when you contract and start moving away from that.
0: Mm, so helpful! I'm so glad I met you. Me too. I'm so proud of you, and I say that in a way that sometimes saying I'm so proud of you can sound condescending, but I'm I'm just just human to human, and I know I'm a little older than you, but. I'm proud of you. I want to acknowledge what you've done. Not just that you're helping all these people and you're coaching other people and you're facilitating. That's all beautiful. But just the fact that you have gone through what you've gone through and volunteered to do that, Adrian. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's super inspiring to me. Thank and having you. daughters, I'm just super
1: inspired. <laughs> thank you. I really
0: am. And I um, thank you, too, for sharing what you shared today. I mean, about your endometriosis and and your dad. And, you know, I don't take that lightly that we've never
1: met. And you were willing yeah. to... Share all of that. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready. I'm ready to to share that story um, from a place of service. Again, I don't. Yeah. How other people interpret that story, yeah. like I'm here to just share what is possible yep. and what I know to be true based on the wisdom that I've been able to integrate.
0: Yeah. In and my I can embodiment. feel that. That's, I can yeah. feel that's why you're sharing it. Yeah. And that's why it's so powerful.
1: Totally. Because you're
0: showing it from such a healthy, loving place. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yay! Okay, so I know many people listening are going to say, "Okay." So how, I'm not sure about this frog thing, (laughs) but I want her to help me, you know, I want to be part of her community. Like how can they um, find you and connect with you?
1: So connection through Instagram is the easiest. So much of the content that I write on there is about boundaries and shadow work. It's, it's a lot more surface than what we get into in say like a one-on-one container or VIP days, which I don't offer a lot of those. Like if you're someone that's listening and it's a full fuck yes in your body and you know that you're in this place based on everything you've heard, great. Get in contact with me. You can DM me directly. The other offerings that I have um, through Instagram that you can find or through my website, I have a self-healer mastermind, which is kind of the foundational dive for anyone who is interested in getting into the work or you've started doing the work, but it feels a little chaotic and you're not really sure about direction. In that space, I offer a lot of tools for being able to Access and learn about your shadow and be able to take responsibility for the shadow frequencies that show up in relationships. It does highlight a lot on relationships, codependency, some of the ways that we... Continue to create disconnection. It's a lot about boundary work mm, and super needed. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, I created that strictly on my own story of the chaos I all went through, and I put mm-hmm. it together in a, a curriculum that I wish mm-hmm. somebody had created for me. Yes, it's five months long. It's amazing. I've got a great team of people that have been. I've, and I've already be surrounded by other women. Yeah, my third mm-hmm. one is starting in February, and so I have only done it up once a year at this point. But I'm probably going to start doing it twice a year since I have a team now that I'm starting mm-hmm. to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really great deep dive, and it's also the most affordable offering that I have. I think mm-hmm. as far as what people spend on like talk therapy, yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, I also have a lot of beautiful testimonials from people who've gone through that program, over 60 people in the last year and a half. Mm, congratulations. Thank you. And then um, the other offering that is going to start showing up more is within the Awaken the Medicine brand. And... I do women's retreats as of right now where I host between 12 and 16 women and I do different medicine women that I really resonate with. I bring them in and I do all that marketing on Instagram as well. So if you really resonate with one of the healers that I am in community with, then you'll know if that's for you. And then I really want to do, and I'm going to do, a summit, whether that's at the end of this year or next year, uh, called Awaken the Medicine Summit, where I bring in all of these healers that have been so profound and impactful for my journey, and I set the container, it's going to be very clean and very beautiful, and I allow people to have radical transformations in that space, and then give them the tools for how to continue to integrate that as they move on with their lives, and to, to actually be of service to other people as they're doing that, which... Um, was taught to me by my mentor, Aubrey Marcus. You know, he was a huge part of me being able to launch everything that I've launched. And um, he's been one of the most incredible mirrors for me to see what I'm capable of and, and what is needed in the world through mentorship and leadership. So uh, shout out to Aubrey, because I love mm-hmm. you so much. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've never met Aubrey, but that's, you know, my connection is to Sky, yeah. who works with Aubrey. And, yes. um, and I love your idea about the summit. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm yeah, so I, was, I was a that. part of Aubrey's mastermind, which really, and I think we were talking about that earlier in the podcast mm-hmm. that that's where I was going with it was being a part of that community. And in addition to obviously like the things that make your heart open, I, I really can't suggest community more yeah. for the healing journey. Like doing it on your own isn't the point and trauma is built relationally. So it will be healed relationally. Mm-hmm. And um, when you can find people that open your heart space to do that, like, man, anything is, is truly, truly possible.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm just finding that. Mm. You know, I've been doing so much work completely on my own, which has been my pattern. I've always been on, I'll do it myself and I'll do it alone. Get out of my way and leave me alone. Totally. You know, and um, I'm just finding my people. I can tell.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are here. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Coincidentally. Everyone's moving to Austin. Oh, yeah.
0: So and anyway, thank you again so much. I, I truly appreciate this time. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to find out who connects with you. From our community. Me um, too. We have such great people all over who are, I know they're excited to know you.
1: Yes. Well, I, I'm honored to, to have been invited here and to get to connect with you and celebrate you for your birthday. So thank you for the invitation to come and to share my story in a way that feels like I'm just so ready. So thank mm, you. And I thank can you tell. for everyone who took the time to listen to this full podcast and digest everything. And um, my DMs are always open for questions or if there's a gap that needs to be filled.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Adrienne.